Good morning. If you'd take your Bibles and turn them to Matthew chapter 12. We've been talking about baggage, and we've been talking about that we carry a lot of it in this life. And over the past four weeks, we've talked about baggage, the baggage of doubt, and how we can find assurance in Jesus and lay that baggage down at His feet. We also examined the baggage of unbelief and discovered how to heed Jesus' warnings and drop those bags. Last week we dealt with the baggage of legalism that creeps into the church and we determined that we would look to Jesus instead of our own self-righteousness. Today we really need to get serious because the passage today helps us to see there may be some of us carrying the baggage of pursuing evil. We may be holding on to this baggage and by doing so, playing with dangerous fire. The fire of pure evil in our lives. And I pray, I pray today that the Lord will awaken us. He'll awaken our hearts And he'll help us to drop those bags as well. I've been put onto a show. uh, Jason put me onto it. uh, It's a a National Geographic show called To Catch a Smuggler. It's fascinating. Uh, If you get a chance to watch an episode or two, it's very interesting. What happens is there's a it's a documentary, and they're going to all these airports, the the ones in the United States who see a lot of international travel coming through LaGuardia, LAX, Atlanta. And what they do is they follow the home home security, homeland security agents as they are dealing with folks who are coming in and some are smuggling drugs and some are uh, smuggling uh, vegetation and things that they shouldn't bring in. And it's quite fascinating. There's this one show I was watching and this young man in his 20s came through. He was fidgety. That was all, just a little fidgety. And the, so these security guards kind of like, something's going on here. He just had a little tick, something that kind of raised their awareness. And so they pull him to the side. He gets real nervous then. And he starts, you know, fidgeting. His story doesn't line up. They ask him about the baggage that he's carrying, it's this brand new bag. And they ask him where he got it. And he admits that, He didn't take that to Jamaica when he went there. He came back with that bag, and his mom gave it to him. His story didn't really line up, and as they pressed him and pushed him, he realized, or they realized, something was going on with this bag. So what they do is they proceed to open it up, and they start looking in the lining, and they look in the pockets. But they don't stop there. They start fooling around in the hymns, and they notice that some hymns are a little off. It's a little strange. And so they start ripping into this man's brand new bag. And what they find is this very slender uh, package of cocaine that he had been given by someone trying to get him, get it into the, um, to get it into the country. It wasn't his, but he was carrying this very, Difficult thing, this very dangerous thing, and guess where the consequences uh, lied? 
with him. He's incarcerated. I think that's what we do with the baggage in our life, particularly the baggage of sin and pursuing all types of evil things. And sin is evil. And what we do is we, I mean, this, this bag, this small little package was so slender, so unrecognizable to an untrained eye that it was there and it caused a big difficulty. And that's what the baggage is like in our life, the baggage of sin. It's often these small things that we give credence to. It's these small things that we just say, well, you know, I want to keep this in my life. It's just a small thing. No one will ever find out. No one will, there'll never be any consequences. But that small sin, that small package this man was carrying changed his life fundamentally and the sin in our life that we allow, the small things, seemingly small, may completely change our eternity. It's a very serious thing. It's very serious baggage that you and I could potentially be holding on to. And I want to make sure that we properly deal with it. And really, I pray that God awakens us today. We will be find out. We will be found out when we're playing with fire, sin, and chasing after evil. We'll catch up with you. The Pharisees in our passage were playing with the same kind of fire. These were the most religious people in all the land. Yet Jesus in this passage calls out what's really happening. He's calling out what's underneath it all. He calls it sin. He calls it evil. He does what they think is really not that big of a deal and he tells them what it really is and how, how difficult and how big the consequences are for him. These Pharisees were flippantly messing with blasphemy and misjudging Jesus as he dealt with pure evil. And so let's study in Matthew chapter 12, verses 22 through 45. We're gonna read 22 through 37 right now. And if you're able, would you stand as we honor the holy word of our Lord? Ask God to speak into our lives. Then a demon-possessed man who was blind and unable to speak was brought to Jesus. He healed him so that the man could both speak and see. And all the crowds were astounded. And they said, could, be, could this be the son of David? When the Pharisees heard this, they said, this man drives out demons by, only by Beelzebub the ruler of the demons. Knowing their thoughts, he told them every kingdom divided against itself is headed for destruction and no city or house divided against itself will stand. If Satan drives out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then will his kingdom stand? He logically just blows them away. And, he, and if I drive out demons by Beelzebub, by whom do your sons drive them out? For this reason, they will be your judges if I drive out demons by the Spirit of God, he's, tell, he's showing them what they really have to deal with, the logic they really have to come up with and that they don't want to. He says, if I drive out demons by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. 
How can someone enter a strong man's house and steal his possessions unless he first ties up the strong man? Then he can plunder the house. Anyone who is not with me is against me, and anyone who does not gather with me scatters. Therefore, I tell you, people will be forgiven every sin and blasphemy, but the blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven. Whoever speaks a word against the Son of Man, I, it will be forgiven him, but whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit, it will not be forgiven him, either in this age or in the one to come. Either make the tree good and its fruit will be good or make the tree bad and its fruit will be bad for a tree is known by its fruit. He's calling them out. He's talking about their fruit. And then he just goes straight and he says, brood of vipers, brood of serpents. How can you speak good things when you are evil? For the mouth speaks from the overflow of the heart. A good person produces good things from a storeroom of good, and an evil person produces evil things from the storeroom of evil. I tell you that on the day of judgment, people will have to account for every careless word they speak. For by your words, you will be acquitted, and by your words, you will be condemned. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated, and let's just look at this passage and, and let us see and discover how we can turn from our evil and turn to Christ. The first thing we see this passage is Jesus is dealing with this demon-possessed man. He can't speak, he can't even see, and Jesus knows that he's possessed by this demon. What happens? Jesus walks up, Jesus speaks life over him, and the demons listen, and the demons shudder, and the demons obey. And what we see in this passage so clearly and so powerfully in this moment is that Jesus has all power over anything evil. So let me tell you, let me help you to see this in your own life. Let me, let me help you understand that you may be carrying that little thing around in your baggage. It might be in the lining of it all, but Jesus knows it. Jesus sees it. And Jesus has the power to rid your life of it. He has all authority over the evil that you and I entertain in our lives. And he has all authority over you and me. Why do we wait to acknowledge it? Why do we allow these things to come along with us in these bags that we carry along with us? Why do we allow the evil things who have no power over our life if Jesus in our, is in our life and he has power over them? Why do we carry them with us? We must realize that Jesus' full power in, on display in this passage helps us to see that not only did he heal the sight and the speech of this man, he did so by driving out the demon. And the demon did not put up a fight. And in this moment, the people, it was so dramatic, it was so amazing that everyone gathered around was like, their minds are blown. Their minds are blown. They said, is this the son of David? 
which was a, a term that, that we see a lot in Matthew's gospel. And it's just this term, a knowledge to acknowledge that this is the one promised of the line of David. He's the one who could be the Messiah is what they're saying. This is the one we've been waiting for. Could this be him? He drives out demons in this man who we knew, who we've seen day in and day out, unable to speak, unable to see, and now he can. So this man, this Jesus has God-given Messiah power over their lives. That's what the crowd saw. But the religious Pharisees, we talked about their legalism last week, had blinded their eyes and all they could see was this guy. They knew he had power, but they didn't want to admit it. They knew Jesus had power, but they didn't want to acknowledge it. What they said was, oh, it must be him driving out these demons by the power of Satan, Beelzebub. Jesus obliterates their logic right away. While some people in the audience began to believe in Jesus, the Pharisees became enraged at him once again, which causes them to make the outlandish accusation that Jesus is controlled by Beelzebub. What this passage reveals to you and I is that Jesus has all power over evil. He commands it and evil obeys him. Yet we, yet we, Jesus' followers, don't recognize him as the main authority in our lives at times. James, the brother of Jesus, said this in his writings. He says that belief is, not simple, is simply not enough. It's not enough just to know. It's not, just an, it's not enough just to say you believe in Jesus. It's not just enough to say you believe in God. And he says, oh, you believe? James says this, because he, he's telling it out of the overflow of his own life. He was Jesus' brother, thought he knew him, and then one day Jesus became his Lord. And he's trying to help his congregation to see is that it's more, you got to do more than just know Jesus. You got to do more than just believe. He says, oh, you believe? That's great. The demons believe and they shudder and you come flippantly before him. What John is helping them, or James is helping them to see and what we see here in this passage is that Jesus demands so much more of our lives. He has all power over all evil. And he wants to have the same authority in your life. But that's the difficulty. See, the Pharisees didn't want to recognize Jesus' authority. That's the second point. Jesus, sometimes his authority goes unrecognized. And I wonder if today that the American church is weak and impotent is because we've forgotten the authority of Jesus over all things. We fail to realize and understand the authority of Jesus in our own lives. That's what the Pharisees did. The problem with the Pharisees, and sometimes us too, is that we scoff at Jesus. We scoff at his authority. The Pharisees denied his power and automatically accused him of cavorting with Satan himself. And Jesus logically proves how that's impossible and points out how they just want to deny that he has power. Look at verses 22, 28 through 30 again. Just real quick. 28, it says, And if I drive out demons by the Spirit of God, 
and the kingdom of God has come upon you. They knew that, but they didn't want to come to grips with it. Jesus knew what they understood and should know, and he's drawing that out in this moment. How can someone enter a strong man's house and steal his possessions unless he first tie up the strong man and he can plunder his house? Anyone who is not with me is against me, and anyone who does not gather with me scatters. May it not be true of us that Jesus would say, if you're not with me, if you don't know me, if you're not understanding, if you're not with me, then you're against me. Jesus warns them not to commit blasphemy. He goes on to tell them, hey, you better be careful because you can sin and you can blaspheme, but if you blaspheme the Holy Spirit, there's no coming back from that. And he's saying to them that they're close and that blasphemy, the denying of the power of God is the greatest evil of all. There is no remedy. We must be careful. This is a serious thing because there's no coming back if we deny God's power. Are you denying God's power today? Are you denying Jesus' authority in your life? And if you are, that's dangerous ground. Dangerous ground. In this passage, we're looking all the way to 45. So I want to read verses 33 through 37 as we consider this third point. You can remain seated, but I want you to see what's happening here. Either make the tree good and its fruit will be good, or make the tree bad and its fruit will be bad, for the tree is known by its fruit. Brood of vipers, how can you speak good things when you are evil? For the mouth speaks from the overflow of the heart. A good person produces good things from his storeroom of good, and an evil person produces evil things from his storeroom of evil. I tell you that on the day of judgment, people will have to account for every careless word they speak for by your words you will be acquitted and by your words you will be condemned. What Jesus is telling the Pharisees and by proxy he's telling you and I that Jesus has all authority and Jesus has the power to judge to the depths of our hearts and the depths of our souls. Remember the young man with the baggage at the airport? He thought no one would find out. He thought it was really well hidden And that's what we do with sin in our lives. We just kind of suppress it. We hide it away. We keep it in secret. No one will know. And people can go on living for decades and years and years and years with these small little things, supposedly small little things in their lives. But Jesus sees. Jesus knows. And Jesus calls you to realize if there's evil pursuit in our hearts that means it comes from an evil place in the storerooms of our heart he says if there's good coming forth it's from the storeroom of good Jesus knows your heart Jesus knows what's really there and you cannot hide from him Jesus has the ability to know and judge our hearts And there's coming a day when judgment will come upon you. 
It'll come to us. And I don't mean if you're a believer in Christ, I don't mean that, that it's going to come in that way. I just mean it's going to come and we're going to have to do it. Judgment will come. Jesus begins here describing how good and bad, not, bad cannot exist. You see, we hold these bags. We hold these bags of evil pursuit. We only do it every now and again. Or we might even say, I can't quit. I can quit whenever I want. We might even say what the world says. It's love, not evil. It makes me feel good. And we lie to ourselves again and again and again. We can't even judge right from wrong in our society today. But Jesus judges and he knows our hearts. The sin we pursue may be secret, but Jesus knows. And there are consequences that await us if we don't do something about it now. Someone is here today and you want to follow Jesus. I believe it. You want to follow Jesus and you've said it again and again and again in your heart and you've said it again and again and again out loud but you know that you'll never be able to do it because there's that one thing that you hold you just don't want to let go of. And what Jesus wants you to hear today, drop it. It's not worth it. Come to me. Come to me and give up all of those things and you hold on to that bag with white knuckles and I will tell you, it is not worth it. Let it go. Give it to Jesus. He said in chapter 11, if anyone is weary or heavy laden, let him come to me because my yoke is easy, my burden is light and let him bring his cares and concerns and difficulties and sins and baggage and lay them at my feet. Someone needs to let go of those bags right now. Right now. And I ask you, in this moment, it's the third point, I got a whole nother point, but in this moment, let's not wait. You're there and you know you need to drop that back right now. Would you do that? Would you have the courage to come forward right now? I'd pray with you. I'll share with you. I'll lead you to the Lord right now. Would you come and would you just drop those bags at Jesus' feet right now? He didn't say it'd be easy, but he said it'd be worth it. And so today, if you've got sin in your life that you know you just need to drop, would you have the courage right now to come forward right now and drop it at his feet right now? The worship team is here. The worship team is coming. Just so in this moment, if you need to do business with God, now is that moment. Don't wait for the next point. Don't wait for the third stanza of the song we're going to sing in a few minutes. Just drop those bags right now. Would you do that? Would you do that with someone right now just drop the bags that you've been carrying? Would you drop the bag of sin in your life? Would you drop the bag of difficulty in your life? I love, I'd come pray with you. We'll sing for a minute. We'll just take a break. We'll do it right now. There's somebody in here today. There's someone carrying the sin of unforgiveness, a believer. You know the Lord, but you can't let it go. You can't hold, you, you're holding on to that grudge. You just can't drop it. Would you just let it go today? It doesn't matter. It's not worth it. 
Jesus is worth it. Jesus knows your heart and Jesus loves you and he tells you, bring your baggage to me and lay it before me. Would you do that today? Would anybody have the courage right now just to come forward? I'd, I'd pray for you. I'd share with you. I'm gonna pray that you, you come right now. Don't wait. God, I believe someone here needs to drop baggage in their life, Lord. Lord, I believe you told me to do this in this moment a little bit differently than we normally do, Lord, but I'm trusting you to do the work, Lord. I can't convince. You'll have to do that, but Lord, would you do that now? Would you help someone who's, who's holding on to those bags and they've got white knuckles? Would you give them the courage just to stand, come forward, and drop the bags before you in this moment? Oh God, we pray this in Jesus' name, Lord. name we pray amen there's still a moment you can still trust in the Lord but I want to share the last point Jesus wants us to awaken all of us verses 38 and following. And some of the scribes and Pharisees said to him, Teacher, we want to see a sign from you. Isn't that like our world today? We want to see a sign. And he answered them, An evil and adulterous generation demands a sign. But no sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was in the belly of the huge fish three days and three nights, so the Son of Man will be in the heart of the earth three days and three nights. The men of Nineveh will stand up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it because they repented at Jonah's preaching. And look, something greater than Jonah is here with you in this moment. The Queen of the South will rise up and the judgment will with this generation and condemn it because she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. Look, something greater than Solomon is here. Friends, Jesus wants us to awaken, to realize that he is greater than the things in our life. He's greater than the baggage we hold on to. He's greater than the, the pursuits that we would run after. And he wants us to awaken spiritually to his work in our lives and his desire to work in our lives. And you and I must do something about it. We must respond. In this moment, you may even not even feel the spirit moving. I don't know how you would, but... Maybe you don't, but out of obedience, would you just stand today? Would you stand and say, I stand with Jesus because there's something greater than him in this generation. I want to be awakened to what God has to do in my life and in my town and in my church. I want to see God move and work. My prayer is that we wouldn't demand a sign because we don't need one. We have Jesus. He's already here. He's already here that we would give our hearts and lives to, in devotion to follow him with everything that we have, with every ounce and fiber of our being that he would help us to do that. So in this moment, we're gonna sing a song and however God is awakening you, would you respond to him? Maybe you need to come here. Maybe you need to come forward in this moment. I'd love to pray with you, I'd love to share with you. 
maybe in just a few moments when the service is over, you could go to one of our next steps tables. We've got folks standing there. They'd love to pray with you, encourage you, lead you, and however you may. But in this moment, don't let it go by. Don't let it be wasted. Don't let it end without you doing something to be awakened to the things of Jesus. God, we pray that you would move now, Lord. As we sing, would you move in our hearts? Would you move in our lives? Would you help us to bring our baggage and drop it at your feet, God? Move, Lord, because only you, you can. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you come as God is moving in your heart? Would you respond and be awakened today? He wants you to be awakened. Let's sing. When the music fades, all is stripped away, and I simply come.